My name is Joyce. I remember as a little girl wanting to be loved by my father. Every little girl wants to be loved by their father. He was handsome and he was funny and, um, and I loved being around him. But my father was an alcoholic. As the years progressed, his drinking got progressively worse and he wasn't very lovable. And at the age of about 12, I started to put on some weight. And my father said to me one day, if you don't lose weight, when you grow up, you're going to be the fat lady in the circus. From that moment on, I didn't know if people really liked me. If I was going to be anything but the fat lady in the circus. Um, eventually I lost that weight, but in my mind, whether I was a size 6 or a size 16, I was the fat lady in the circus. If I'm going to be honest, I still struggle with that. I made poor decisions based on wanting to be loved, and I naturally gravitated to people who needed to be fixed, who needed to be helped. And I did that through a couple of marriages and one relationship that I had no business being in. And in 2005, uh, someone invited me to come to Mountain Christian Church. And I attended service here. I fell in love with Mountain. And I started getting into the Word. And Eventually, I was able to break away from uh, those behaviors, and um, I am happily remarried, um, and my husband and I both attend Celebrate Recovery, and it's something that we look forward to every Friday night. In the Women's Codependency Group, I'm able to take all of the mess of my life and share it with these women in an honest and real way so that they're able to see that they're not alone, uh, that God takes this mess and turns it into something beautiful. I know now that God loves us no matter what we look like, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done. Thank God he's a God for those who feel unlovable. Hey Mountain, I know everyone's all anxious about the big Super Bowl matchup this weekend, right? And everyone's trying to figure out who's going to win. Is it going to be the nearly undefeated Carolina Panthers or is it going to be Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos, right? Well, never fear. As happens most years, I just so happen to have a prophetic word straight from God, right out of the Bible, about who's going to come out on top. I'm here to help you. Because just this morning, I was, I was just coming here, and I got out of my car, and I dropped my Bible. And I reached down to pick it up, and I looked, and my eyes fell on a certain Bible passage, and I didn't think it was anything. But then I looked, and lo and behold, I think it speaks some real words that I think you're going to want to hear. It happened to fall to Revelation chapter 19, Verse 11, which says, I saw heaven standing open, and there was before me a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus, 
and he's on a Bronco, okay? Now, I, I, I'm just telling you what, what's there. And then it said this, the armies of heaven were following him and they were riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Obviously, it's talking about the whole Bronco team and their white little uniform. So, I, did, I don't want to be a man of little faith. So I said to the God, you know, really? I mean, I thought the Panthers were sure gonna win. And just as I was wondering this, a wind blew through the room and, and, I, and my eyes fell on a page that really spoke to me and I want to share it with you. Here's what it says. It's right out of 2 Samuel, verse 23, verse, uh, verse 20. Here it is. A valiant fighter performed great exploits and he struck down their mighty warriors. He also, listen, went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Well, a lion is clearly a panther. And there you have it, the Broncos are going to go down into a pit of a stadium and on a winter day in the Super Bowl, they're going to kill and maul the, um, the Panthers. There you go. You heard it right here. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, listen. Whatever happens in that game this weekend ultimately doesn't really matter. But here, what we're about to experience together right now matters a whole lot. And it's going to matter for some of us for an eternity. We've been in this series called God for the Rest of Us. And today, I want to introduce to you the author of the book by the same name. It's our good friend, Vince Antonucci. Man, I just love this guy. I love his story. God has uh, a way of rewriting our story sometimes and telling an epic tale that only God could tell. And that's what's happened in Vince's life. And he's going to tell a little bit about that. And what I love about Vince is he's now just on a rampage to help as many people understand that God can change their life too and that God is for them. After Vince became a Christian, he was part of a church start out here on the East Coast. And then God called him to be part of a one-of-a-kind church called The Verve in Las Vegas, right on the Strip. And there, you know, the first guy he led to Christ was a pimp. And since then, about 70% of the people that they draw into their church have no church background. He's a guy who really knows real life and real love. He was here as part of our Celebrate Recovery anniversary on Friday night. It was awesome. And a lot of you were there to celebrate that. He's the author of a lot of great books. I hope you'll check him out. Follow him on Twitter. Read his blog. He's an amazing guy. Soon you'll love his heart as much as I do. And he's here with us right now, all the way from Las Vegas. So at all of our campuses, let's give a big old rowdy and warm mountain welcome to our friend, Vince Antonucci. Have you ever felt unlovable? Like, like if someone knew you for who you really are. Or, or maybe you know someone who you think feels unlovable. I want to talk to you about that today. But first, I just want to tell you, and it is a huge honor for me to get to be here. Uh, I know all about this church. I love this church. This is so cool for me. But you all, most of you don't know anything about me and now you're stuck with me for like 30 minutes. It's almost like you're on a blind date with a preacher. Awkward, right? And so I, I thought I'd break the ice on our blind date by telling you a bit of my story. So here's me. Um, my mother is Jewish. My father was a professional poker player. You might guess that they didn't take me to church much. And you'll be right. I actually never went to church. Not only that, I, I say I never met a Christian. I must have, but no one ever uh, identified themselves that way. I never had anyone mention Jesus to me or invite me to church. 
So growing up, I literally knew nothing about God, Jesus, or the Bible. On the Easter morning of my sophomore year in college, I was waiting for my girlfriend. We were supposed to go out to brunch. She was late, as usual. And so I turned on the TV in my dorm room, and uh, we didn't have cable. We had three channels. And as I flipped through, I realized that every channel had on what I consider to be a dumb religious show. I left one on for a minute just because it looked um, potentially comical. It was this old, old man, and he was sitting kind of like this, sunk down in this big red leather overstuffed chair. And I was like, that's, that's funny. And, um, and then he started to talk. I'll never forget what he said. He went, now, we've been discussing the last week of Jesus Christ's life. And today we're going to talk about, and then he said something, I don't remember what it was, something from Jesus Live went right over my head. And then he, he said, now, most scholars believe that this event happened on the Tuesday of Jesus last week. But today I will prove to you through the evidence that it actually occurred on the Wednesday of Jesus last week. First thing I ever heard about Jesus in my entire life. And I thought about that for a minute. I was like, yes, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Ever. Like, I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't even know if he really lived. But if he did, it's like thousands of years ago. And you're talking about Tuesday or Wednesday? Seriously? Turned off the TV, knocked on the door, went out to brunch. But for the rest of that day, I could not stop thinking about what that guy said. All these questions were in my head. I was like... Why, why did he care if it was Tuesday or Wednesday? Why did he use the word evidence? What kind of evidence would there be? Did anyone ever get him out of that chair? <laughs> Just all these questions. And that night, I uh, was sitting in my girlfriend's dorm room, and um, I'm studying, and I, I looked up, and I happened to notice that she had a, a Bible on her bookshelf. I was like, hey, why do you have a Bible? And she was like, oh, yeah, somebody gave that to me years ago. I, I've never even opened it. And I was like, can I borrow it? I, I want to check it out. And she's like, you can keep it if you don't want it. Throw it out. I don't need it. I was like, okay. And so I, I took this Bible back to my dorm room, had never touched a Bible, and I opened it not knowing how the Bible would be like set up, but, but, but I assumed it would be like the TV guide by day and time because of the whole Tuesday, Wednesday debate <laughs> that was apparently tearing up Christianity. And so uh, this was a student Bible. They're designed to help teenagers start reading the Bible. When you open it, instead of Genesis, the first thing in a student Bible is reading plans. It says, here's some reading plans. You're going to reading plan through Abraham's life. And I'm like, Lincoln? I don't, I don't. Moses' life. And I'm flipping through, and finally it says reading plan through Jesus' life. And I thought, oh, all right, I'll do that one. I mean, let's figure this out. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Like, let's do this. And so I, I turned to start reading the, the reading plan where it tells me to start. And um, I totally expected that it would read like a tall tale or a myth. I, I thought it would start out, once upon a time, there lived a man named Jesus who did nice things and did miracles. And he had a blue ox named Babe and he could lasso tornadoes. And I would roll my eyes and throw out the Bible. But, but I was stunned because repeatedly, over and over, the Bible says, at this specific time, in this specific place, Jesus did this specific thing. And, and then in this time, in this place, Jesus did this. And I realized, well, there would be evidence. Not Tuesday, Wednesday, but you could go back and find out if this happened. Look at other historians from the time, archaeology. Now, now I'm interested. And I continue to read just to find out what the Bible said. 
And I learned for the first time in my life that the Bible claimed that there was a God who loved me, who wanted to have a relationship with me, who had sent his son Jesus to live for me and die for me so that I could have that relationship and someday go to heaven with him. And I had never heard anything like that. And I knew that I had to know. And I knew I could find out if it was true or not because they kept giving the time and place. I could find out there would be evidence. And so I decided to, to study it. And I did like six, eight, ten hours a day, every day for months. I would read the Bible and I would go to the library and try to find evidence to discredit the stories. And what I ran into were the volumes of evidence that proved that the Bible is a historically accurate book. And that um, it, what Jesus says Jesus did, he, he really did. And, and eventually it was like, I just didn't really have room left for doubt. And, and most of all, I was just so drawn to Jesus. Like, like I realized I did not want to live another day of my life without him right in the middle of it. And so I decided to become a Christian, to, to start following Jesus and um, that, that was my whole introduction to Christianity. That is my introduction to you. We've broken the ice on our blind day. I think we're doing okay so far. Um, here, here's what i got to tell you, though. When I started reading the Bible, as difficult as it was for me to believe that Jesus really uh, walked on water and fed 5,000 people with some kid's happy meal and uh, you know, healed blind people... The hardest thing for me to believe in the entire Bible was the idea that God loved me. That he was for me. I, I had a dad who was very abusive and he made it very clear that he did not love me. It was like one of the only two people in the whole world who were obligated to love me couldn't do it. And it led me to the conclusion that I was unlovable. And it wasn't just my father. I had done uh, many horrible things and horrible thoughts uh, in my life. And I thought, if there is a God who knows everything, then he must know everything about me. And there's no way a God like that could love someone like me. But that's what the Bible said. It said that God loved me. It says that God loves you. In fact, the Bible says that God loves you with a perfect love. What that means is that you have never done anything to make God love you any less than he does right now. And you could never do anything to make God love you any more than he does right now. God loves you with a perfect love. He is head over heels in love with you and me but man, that was the hardest thing for me to believe. I'm just going to be honest with you. I could not believe that. I could not accept it. What happened really was I accepted what Jesus did on the cross for me. I put my faith in Jesus, but I still didn't believe that God loved me. What's been interesting is since then, over the years, I have met so many people who feel the same way. Some are not yet Christians, and the one thing that's really holding them back is the idea that God could never love someone like me. But many of them are Christians, believe in Jesus, and still struggle to believe that God could love someone like me. 
Did you know that this is part of the reason Jesus came? He came not just to die for us, but also to let everyone know that God is for everyone. It was uh, the probably biggest problem that the religious leaders of Jesus' time, the, the uh, Pharisees and the teachers of the law, had with Jesus. That Jesus was always talking about how God loved uh, messed up, broken, sinful people. He hung around those kind of people. And one time, in response to their accusing questions, Jesus told a trilogy of stories. In uh, the Bible book called Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story about a lost sheep, and then a lost coin, and then a lost son. And the story about the lost sheep, like ever since the first time I read it in that dorm room, it's just fascinated me. And so I want to read it to you. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally fine. We're going to put the verses on the screen for you to read. Or if you'd rather, you can just keep looking at me as I read, because... I'm looking kind of good today. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I, tried, I tried on our date. I, I want to look good for you. So Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a, a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. The story is so interesting to me. So the shepherd has a hundred sheep. A hundred, I think, is a lot of sheep, right? I mean, I, I've been thinking about this. Like, is there anything I own a hundred of? Is there anything you own a hundred of? A hundred's a lot. I, I realize uh, I, I own at least a hundred books. And, and if someone came in and stole one of my books, I'd never notice. I've got a hundred of them. What about this? Do we have any parents in the room? Any of you have kids? What if you had a hundred kids? Do you think you'd ever notice if one of them just kind of wandered away? No, you would not. Right now, if you had a hundred, a hundred's a lot. So check this out. When, when I was a kid, my parents had two children, me and my younger sister, Lisa. And, and one time when I was like, maybe like six years old, she was about four, they took us out to eat. After dinner, they put us in the back seat. They did not seatbelt us in. I've asked them about it, and they're like, oh, that was the mid-70s. Nobody used seatbelts back then. That may be true. I think they just didn't care about us. I don't know. And so, uh, so they put us in the back seat. They get in the front. My dad turns the car on, pops in the old eight-track tape. Kids, you're going to have to ask your parents on the way home. And so music starts filling the cars. My parents, mid-70s, so it was probably like Neil Diamond's greatest hit. So music comes on, hands, touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Do you guys want to sing today? Sweet Caroline. Pretty good. Pretty good. So this is a true story. My dad puts the car in drive, starts to pull out of the parking lot. Didn't realize that they hadn't shut my sister's door really well. She was leaning against it. The door swung open. She fell out of the car. The door quietly swung shut. My parents didn't notice. And I didn't say a word. 
I waved goodbye. (laughs) We get on the road. We're driving down the road when finally, like a minute or two later, my dad goes, Where's Lisa? And I, I was like, he got, he got so mad, slammed on the brakes, spun the car around. We drive back. There is Lisa sobbing in the parking lot. She always was a crybaby. <laughs> Listen, my parents had two kids, and it took them a while to realize that one of us was missing in a car. <laughs> the shepherd has a hundred sheep, and yet immediately he notices that one is missing. And he, he cares, which I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I, I think one sheep is easy to replace, isn't it? Like you wait till spring, a bunch of old baby sheep running around. We're good, right? But, but not in the mind of this shepherd. Not in Jesus' story. And the reason is because Jesus is not really telling a story about a shepherd and his sheep. He's using this story as a, a parable or a metaphor. And, and in the story, the shepherd represents God and the sheep represents you. You. And the point of Jesus' story is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, these people, why does he eat with sinners? The point is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why you wandered away from God. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you wandered off to. Doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter what you've done. What matters is that you still have a God who loves you with a perfect love. And so all that matters is that you need to be found. And that, that's why a lost sheep can't be replaced, right? Because it's not a sheep. Like, so I've got two kids of my own now, and if one of our kids just kind of wandered away, I would not say to my wife, eh, we could make another one, Right? This, this kind of happened to us actually some years ago when my kids were little uh, I think they were like five and just about to turn three we took them to a water park and um, they, they loved it this water park had three big kiddie pools and so um, we went to the first one and they played in it for a while and, and then we had to go up the stairs to the sidewalk walk 50 yards maybe the second kiddie pool played in this one for a while I love that up the stairs, sidewalk, 50 more yards, third kiddie pool, and they loved, loved this one. It had this big yellow slide, and they had to climb a rope ladder to get to the top, and so they were like, up, 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 down, up, 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 down, and forever. My, my wife and I were just kind of standing there watching them. Finally, my wife was like, hey, I'm going to go stand under that mushroom shower umbrella thingy. I was like, all right, go ahead. And, and so my son goes up, 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 down, lands, he goes, where's mom? Where's mom? And, and I was like, oh, she's under the mushroom shower umbrella thingy and and he was like can i go there I was like yeah go ahead so he runs off my daughter proceeds to go up 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 down up up, up, up about fifteen thousand times like she will not quit and finally i'm like oh hey like let's go get mom and dawson and so we walk over and um my wife is standing under the mushroom shower umbrella thingy and i was like hey and she said hey and i said where's dawson and she said he's with you and i said no i, I sent him over here like 10 minutes ago she said i haven't seen him you might think I'm weird. My immediate reaction was to freak out. Like, my first thought was, I've seen this on TV. Like, a water park is the perfect place to abduct a kid. And, and so I'm like, no, stop, stop, stop. Don't freak out. He's here. Like, it's a kiddie pool. He got distracted by something. And so I start looking. There's a lot of kids 
but um, he was not one of them. I'm like, no, he's got to be here. I'm look for look for a kid with light brown hair, kids with light brown ha- hair. Um, um, he's wearing a blue bathing suit. Look for blue bathing suit, and he was not there. And man, now I'm like freaking out. Like my heart is pounding in my chest. I feel like it's going to come out. And I have this thought. I'm never going to see my kid again. I'm never going to hold my child again. I wanted to die. What I did was I ran up the stairs to the sidewalk. I thought maybe I could like look over the pool. I'd see him. So I'm up on the sidewalk. There's all these people bumping into me, but I'm like looking and he is not there. And I'm like, oh, um, light brown hair, light brown hair. Um, look, kids with blue bathing suits, and, and he was not there. And I started looking like all around. Eventually, I looked up the sidewalk, way up the sidewalk. I thought I saw this kid weaving between people's legs, and I could not see the color of his bathing suit or his hair. And this is a little embarrassing, um, but I just started yelling his name just in case it was him. I was, I, I was like, Dawson! 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 And finally, the kid way up the sidewalk hears the crazy guy yelling, and, and he does one of these, and I, I could see that it was him, and he saw me, and so he starts running, and he's like weaving between people's legs, and I'm running to him, like knocking people over, and uh, if you want to imagine, I think it was quite romantic, really, as we came closer. Finally, he got to me, and he jumped in my arms, and he is crying, and I said, buddy, what happened? What happened? And he said, you said that mom went to the pool with the mushrooms i can't find her in there i was like oh no i'm so sorry she's in this pool but i'm so sorry and i held him and i held him and i held him and i realized in that moment that i understood what it's like to be god and those thoughts i'd had those feelings i'd experienced wondering am i ever going to see my child again am i ever going to get to hold my kid again Those are the thoughts and feelings that God experiences every single day because He has countless lost children who are wandering around without Him. I I think of this passage in the Bible in the Old Testament, a book called Jeremiah chapter 4, where God is speaking. He says this. He says, Oh, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart. My heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent. And you read those verses, you're like, whoa, what is going on with God? Why is He talking like that? He tells us. He says, my people are fools. They do not know me. They are senseless children who have no understanding. And then this God who is for us offers an invitation. He says, If you will return, return to me. If you'll return, return to me. And that's the point of Jesus' story about the sheep. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why you wandered away from God, where you wandered off to. It does not matter what you've done. Still, God loves you with a perfect love. And so all that matters is that you need to be found. And I'll tell you what, 
when I was finally, and it took me years, when I was finally able to accept and embrace God's perfect love for me, to, to see myself the way God saw me, not the way my father had, to, to know that I was not defined by my sin, but instead by God's love, it changed my life. Radically changed my life. I, I think I could say it this way. Um, when I said yes to what Jesus did for me on the cross and put my faith in him, it changed my eternity. But it wasn't until years later when I was finally able to accept and embrace God's perfect love for me that my life, like here and now, was changed. It was really changed. And I want to tell you, and if, if you would accept and embrace God's perfect love for you, it would change everything, wouldn't it? Think about it. Can you imagine being you, walking around in your life, but knowing to the core of who you are, that who you are is someone who is loved with a perfect love by the one who matters most? That changes everything. And I want to tell you right now, like if you're off wandering, you need to know that God is in anguish. His heart is in agony and he is searching for you and he will seek you until he finds you. That's why he has you here this morning. And if you would just accept and embrace his love for you, if you would let yourself be found by God, it would change everything. Really would. You could do that today. Now, if, if you're there, if you're like, oh man, that's true because I've done that. Like, I, I've been found, I have accepted and embraced God's love for me. Well, then you need to share it with others. Right? Because it is life-changing and everyone needs to know that God is for them. Everyone needs to experience God's life-changing love. And how disturbing is it that I lived in America for 20 years and not a single person ever mentioned Jesus to me? No one ever invited me to church. You think about how frantic I was for 10 minutes at a water park because I wasn't sure if I was going to see my son again or hold my son again. Can you imagine how frantic God's heart must be every single day because he has countless lost children wandering around without him? And listen, God's lost children, we're talking about your neighbors, your coworkers, the people you go to school with, the grocery clerk at the, at the store. If you've accepted and embraced God's love for you, you need to share it with others. And that doesn't need to be as intimidating as we sometimes can feel like it is. Like you don't need to be an eloquent Bible scholar to share God's love with someone. 
before starting our church in Las Vegas, uh, I started a church in Virginia Beach. I uh, was there for about 12 years. And one of the things we did with our staff is we had everyone take a one day a month as a personal retreat day. Um, the idea being, like, as a pastor, you're always, you know, caring about others, pouring into others. But to have one day where it's like about you and God. And, and so we, we called it our prayer and fasting day. You would pray and you would fast from food so you could spend more time praying. And um, one time I took my, my prayer and fasting day at um, Burger King. You can laugh at that one. Uh, yeah, what happened was it was like, I think November and I left my driveway and it was cold and then it started to rain. I was going to go to a park. I'm like, well, I'm not going to go sit in the cold rain in a park. Where should I go? Where should I go? Where should I go? Driving along and there was Burger King. And I thought that would be a really weird place to fast. But I can get a drink. I can sit in a booth. I had my Bible and a prayer journal. I write prayers in and stuff. And so, all right. So I went to Burger King, got a drink, went back, got in like a back booth uh, and opened up my Bible and started to read. About a minute later, the, the door of the Burger King opened. And this guy walked in. I looked up briefly and saw him. He looked like extremely poor, uh, maybe homeless. And the weirdest thing, I kept reading my Bible. The weirdest thing happened the Burger King was like filled with people like eating breakfast, but for some reason this guy walked across the Burger King to right in front of my booth and started pacing in front of my booth. Like he would not break the boundaries of my booth. He's just pacing right in front of me. And I'm like, what is going on? Why is this guy doing this? And, uh, and finally I'm like, this is really awkward. I need to say something. And he's like, excuse me, sir. Can I help you? Do you need something? And he went, yes, yes, really loud. I was like, okay. And he, he started talking. It turns out he was from India and he spoke broken English. So I understood some and not others. But eventually uh, he holds up this piece of paper and it was a job application for Burger King. And I was like, ooh. I, I said, do you want to apply to work here? And he went, yes, yes. And I said, do you, do you need help filling out the form? And he said, yes. And I said, I, I could help you. Do you want to sit down? He was like, yes. And I was like, okay. And so he sat down and we proceeded to fill out the job application, which is really easy, right? No, it turns out it's not. Um, I'm like, okay, what's your name? And he said it. And I'm like, you're going to have to spell that. I don't know. And so, okay. And I said, what's your address? He didn't have an address. He was homeless. And I'm like, should we make one up? I'm like, yeah, you need an address. What do we do? And so it takes references. It takes forever. And like, like, I think it was about an hour. And finally we get done. He's like, thank you. Thank you. I'm like, you're welcome. And, and he goes off. And I thought, I, I just lost an hour of like my day with God. But that was the right thing to do. That was cool. And grabbed my Bible, opened it back up. Two minutes later, he comes walking up and he starts pacing in front of my table again, again, not breaking the boundaries. And I'm like, look, I'm like, seriously? And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking like, like I'm trying to ignore him, but it's awkward now because like we're friends. We just spent an hour together and I'm like reading, trying not to, you know, make eye contact. And so I started thinking like, maybe he's hungry. Like maybe he hasn't eaten. I said, excuse me, stop, stop. I said, have you eaten today? Do you, do you maybe need some money for food? And he went, yes, yes. And I said, okay. And so I got out my wallet and I gave him like a couple of dollars and um, he appreciated it. He really appreciated it. What he did, seriously, is when I handed him the money, he grabbed my wrist and then he reached down over the table and grabbed my other wrist, kind of pulled me a little bit, and proceeded to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, as he took my hands and rubbed them all over his body. He was like, thank you, thank you. I was like, you're welcome. You're, you're welcome. 
hands, touching hands, reaching out. It, that, that was not funny. Don't laugh at that. It, it, so finally, he gets done, gives me back my hands, walks off, and I was like, woo! That just happened. That really happened. I, I, I thought about leaving. I'm like, I don't know if I can recover today. I was, like, I was like, stop. You're okay. You're fine. Okay. All right. Got out my Bible for like the third time. Opened it up. And like, I don't know, three, four minutes later, he comes walking up with his tray of food. He's like, hello! And sat down in my booth with me. And I went, hey. <laughs> Put my Bible aside again. And I thought, I thought, Vince, the guy's lonely. Be a friend to him. Come on. So, so I was like, can you tell me more about yourself? How did you come to America? Did, do you have family here? Do you, do you have family in India? And I asked him a, a million questions. He answered them all. And then he started asking me questions. How do you, why do you live here? Do you have family? And all these questions. And finally, he points to my Bible. And he said, what's this? Oh, okay, this, this could be really cool. And so I grabbed my Bible. And I said, well, this is a Bible. And I said, God gave us this book because he loves us and he wants us to know him. God also sent his son Jesus because he loved. But before I could finish the sentence, he went, Jesus? And I was like, yeah. And he was Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. And, and he went, oh. And so he gets out his wallet and he starts flipping through. He's got dozens of pictures and things he cut out of newspapers and magazines. And he flips through until finally he finds and shows me that he has a picture of Jesus. Not an actual picture of Jesus. You get it, right? Yeah. Okay. And so he's like, a picture. And, he's, and he goes like this. He goes, Jesus! Jesus! And I'm like, yeah. And so I'm thinking, oh, he must believe in Jesus because he's so excited about Jesus. But then he's like, oh. And he shows me every single picture he has. And every single one he's so excited. Like he had a picture of the soccer player, David Beckham. And he's like, Beckham! Beckham! And I'm like, yeah. And then he had, a, he had a, cut out a picture of B. Arthur. Some of you are not going to know. And, and he's like, B. Arthur? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And he's like, B. Arthur! And I'm like, yay! And uh, a picture of a goat. And he's like, goat! And I'm like, goat! And so I'm thinking, okay, forget that he believes in Jesus. He's equally excited about the goat. And so he finally puts his wallet away. He gets serious, like, for the first time, looks me in the eye, and he asks me this question. He says, um, do you know what God's name is? And I said, I do. That's exactly what I was starting to tell you. God's name is Jesus. And he says, no. And I said, all right. And he, and he says, God's name is 21. I said, okay. And he, he said, do you understand? I said, mm-hmm. You think God's name is 21? And he went, no, no. Um, name of God, 21. Do you understand? I went, uh-huh, you think God's name is 21. And he went, no, no. And like, I mean, like, everybody's looking at us. I'm like, I don't know him. <laughs> and, and so he's like, no, uh, God, name, 21. I'm like, I don't get it. You're, can you explain? And, and so he tried to explain. And I think what he was saying is that he believes there's 21 different world religions and that we think we're worshiping 21 different gods, but really we're all worshiping the same God just by different names, I think. So when he got done, I said, okay. I, I said, I think I understand what you are saying and you have the right to believe that, but that's not what I believe. I, I don't think that's right. I think there's one God and we can know him because he came to earth. His name is Jesus. 
And he said, no. And I said, okay. And, and then he, he said this. He looked me right in the eye and he said, um, do you know who God is today? So I said, mm-hmm, 21. And he said, no. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, I, I said that for you. And, and he says, no. And he says, um, who is God? God love us. God care for us. God feed us. Today, you love me. You cared for me. You fed me. Today, you are God to me. You know, in one sense, he was theologically wrong. I am not God. Ask my wife. <laughs> but, but there is another sense that he is kind of right. Because the, in the Bible, God asks us to represent him to this world. Right? To represent Jesus, to share his love with this world. And I want to tell you, you can do that. You can love people. You can care for people. You can feed people. You can do that. And if you do, you will be amazed at how people respond to God's love. And you'll be amazed by who responds to God's love. The first person we led to faith in Las Vegas was a pimp. And we have seen atheists and addicts and prostitutes and porn stars and Buddhists and gang members and you name it say yes to Jesus. It turns out God really is for the rest of us. No one is beyond God's grace. And if we would just share it with them, man, their lives would be changed by it. That's what we see happen all the time in our church in Las Vegas. And I want to ask you if you would please pray for us. We need it. Uh, in fact, you could join our prayer team at pray dot viva la verve dot org verve is the name of our church and uh, if you join our prayer team you will get one short two sentence prayer request emailed to you each morning and so you can just take a minute and pray for us um, would you please pray that we can continue to share god's love with people who work on and live around the las vegas strip and i'll pray that you do the same with the people who god puts in your life because listen god's heart is in agony over his wandering children who need to be found. And you know them. God is for the rest of us and his love is perfect and it's life-changing and everyone needs to know it. Everyone needs to experience it. It's what your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors have been longing for their entire lives and their lives will be changed by it if you share it with them. And your life will be changed by it if you just say yes. If you accept and embrace God's perfect love for you and then start to share it with others. I want to pray that for you right now. Let's pray. God, I, I imagine that there must be people in this room right now who have never accepted and embraced your love for them. Right now, in fact, they might be feeling a little bit nervous. Maybe their heart's beating a little bit fast and because they know it's, it's them, and, and they need that. And I, I pray that everyone in this room would, would accept and embrace and say yes to your love soon. In fact, I, I pray it happens today.
In fact, it can happen right now. We can say yes to you right now. God, I pray that we all leave here today feeling excited and compelled to share your love with other people. What an honor it is that we get to do that. God, I pray for this church. I appreciate this church so much and what it's done in this community and beyond. And I believe that the best is yet to come for this church. And God, I I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.